Hey, this is Matthew's Table podcast channel. We wanted to thank you for joining us today. Hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and reminds you of who you are, but more importantly, whose you are. Good morning. Yeah, I just, uh, I just agree with Brandy. Like, we take so much for granted. Um, it's ne- never-ending news coming at our faces. Uh, you know, and then, like, I seen a picture of the Afghan people getting on a plane. And, you know, there was like 900 people bunched in. And, you know, people was actually holding on to the wheels and falling off. And I just thought of all the things that I take for granted. Like, I couldn't imagine having to run to an airplane to try to get me and my kid on there so I could get to freedom. And I just think that, like, no matter what we face, it should always be in the perspective of, we really don't have it that bad. Like, even if worse came to worse in my life, I'm still blessed. I still, like, even if I die today, I'm okay. I'm in Christ and I know where I'm going. But as I was preparing for this week, like, like I really thought about all the things that we find ourselves worried about on a day-to-day basis. Like, all the what-ifs that play in our head every single day. Like if I was a a, a betting man, I bet you have asked yourself some of these questions this week. The first question, what if I get COVID-19? What if I can't pay my bills? What if I lose my job? What if what I'm trying to do doesn't work out? What if I'm not good enough? What if things get shut back down? What if I don't fit in? Honestly, if the what ifs were to show on the screens this morning, it'd be a never ending flow of things that we asked ourselves. It'd be a never ending screen of what if this or what if that? Because that's what we do. We go through, well, what if this happens? What would I do? Or what if that happens? Then what should we do about that? But here are some what-ifs to consider before we jump into Scripture this morning. As followers of Jesus Christ, what if instead of worrying about tomorrow and things that are out of your control, we focus and set our eyes upon Christ today? What if instead of worrying about the unknown, we spent our time this morning worshiping a God we do know? What if we actually trusted God? What if we prayed instead of panicked? What if we really believed that good or bad, that God has us in the palm of his hands? This morning, we'll be reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34, where Jesus tells his followers not to be anxious. And for me, this was a great reminder this week, and I found myself being anxious about many things. Like, I I found myself just going through a long list of what ifs, and I just found myself, like, worried about a lot of stuff that, honestly, I have no control over. Verse 25 starts out, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. 
They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I'll tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace and mercy. I thank you for being able to worship in freedom. I thank you that we can know you, have a relationship with you, that you see us, that you know us. I pray that if anyone doesn't know you today, that they come to be in relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, it was a tough week for me and my family. So, but if you was to ask like my brother and Mike and Jessica Lee, I usually like to be prepared. Like I was really supposed to preach last week, but all last week, like I was trying to prepare and trying to focus and I had a sick toddler at home and, and, and nothing just seemed to be going my way. So like Tuesday was going by and I, I'm supposed to be studying for my sermon and Wednesday goes by and then Thursday goes by and I would just type something and, and delete it. I was just like, no, that don't make sense. No, not that one. And, and really like I would just have nothing and I would just look at a blank screen. But then, like, like to, not only to deal with that, last week my wife texts me on the way home and says, Nick, I need to lay down. I'm really dizzy tonight. The next day she woke up even sicker, went to urgent care, and she had COVID. And maybe you're different than me, but the, immediately the what-ifs start going off in my head. And I started asking myself, like, what if it gets worse? What if I get it? What if my daughter gets it? What if my nephew gets it? So I started asking myself, like, what if she ends up in the hospital? Then what would I do? And these never-ending lists just started piling up and piling up and piling up. She's quarantined from us in the basement. She couldn't taste or smell. And immediately I just started asking myself, what if this gets worse? Like, what do I do if this gets worse? This is my wife who I love. Like, what do I do? What if? But what I realized was nothing was in my control. That my brightest plans couldn't fix what was going on. The money that is in my savings account that makes me feel good, it couldn't change it one bit. And, and the only thing that I had to deal with was surviving with Bella and, and my 17-month-year-old uh, toddler who just didn't understand, like, why can't I be around Jonna? Like, why can't I go see her? Like, and that's, that was our living situation. Like, and he just didn't understand. He's 17 months old. Like, man, why, why is she down there? Why, why is she rocking me to sleep? 
So, like, I start asking, like, man, like, what do we do? But here's a quote I think of often, and I had to remind myself of daily from dealing with anxiety and worries. It says, the man with no shoes was worried until he met a man with no feet. The man with no shoes was worried until he met a man with no feet. So although all these things were going on in my house, to put in perspective, the Martins didn't have it that bad. Like, we really didn't have it that bad. When I, I, I was considering, I was getting prayer requests from someone in ICU and someone lost their uh, family member and their grandpa. And, and put in the light of that, the what ifs that I was even going through wasn't that bad. And here's a lesson that I learned this week. Worry is an enemy to our worship. This sermon today became real to me in that my brightest plans couldn't fix what was going on. Money couldn't change the situation, and all the what-ifs in the world wasn't helping one bit. When we look at these verses today, verses 25 through 34, Jesus doesn't just say, trust me because I'm Jesus. Like, that would be really easy to do if I was Jesus. I'd be like, trust me. And if you ask me why, I'd be like, look, I'm Jesus. Like, just trust me. But he didn't do that. He went through a long list of consider this, consider the birds in the air, consider the lilies. And, and Jesus says, consider, trust me because I'm trustworthy. Depend on me because I'm dependable. And any time a passage starts out with therefore, like verse 25, that means we need to look at the previous passage. And that was the one that Roger preached two weeks ago on do you trust in God or mammon? Like, do you trust in God or your possessions? So when verse 25 started out with, therefore I'll tell you, you have to go back to verse 24 where it says, you can't trust God in money, therefore I'll tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Because that's the questions, right? Like, if someone was to tell me like, hey, you can't serve God in money. Like, I get that on a, a, a brain level, but not always on a heart level. Like, because I actually feel safer when I have a lot of more money in my bank account. Like, it makes me, and I don't have no money, really. But I really feel better, like, if I hit a certain level. Or if I have certain possessions. And really, anytime I'm cleaning out my garage, we've been uh, doing that the last month. Like, my wife, we won't use something for four years, and she'll come out and say we need it. Because it really makes her feel better just to have that stuff just in case. And I'm like, John, like she's pulling stuff off the trailer. And I'm like, really, John? I'm like, this has been in the garage for four years. But when we think about God and possessions or God and money, what we can begin to see is the worry that we have in our lives as an idol. Like, it's all about what we place at the top. So when I found myself worrying about the what ifs, it's because I placed a, a high value upon what I'm worried about. And because worry is an enemy of worship, when we find ourselves anxious, what we're really saying is, God, I know you created it all, but I trust my plans more than yours. So when we find ourselves going through these different scenarios, what we're really saying is, I don't trust you, God. I like it better my way. I like it better my plans, and I, I, I like my path that I have set out uh, on my own. So what we do is we worry about things that we care about, and therefore we worry about money when it gets low. 
We worry about our health and we worry about kids. And look, all these are good things, but ultimately worry about things that are out of our control. The craziest part about it is, and I learned this this week, worry can accomplish one thing. Like, I could sit there and lay in my bed stressed out like, man, my wife's downstairs. Like, it kind of feels like prison again. But, like, I couldn't change one part about it. Like, I couldn't do anything about it. No matter what I wanted to do, the savings account wasn't helping. The, the, my plans wasn't helping. It was, God, I trust in you. I depend on you. I follow you. So what we need to think about is why we worry and why we are anxious. Because if we trust God like we say we do, then it has nothing to do with the number in your bank account. Like if you really trust God like you say you do, then it has nothing to do with the amount of possessions that you have. When I say I trust God, it's it's, in feast or famine, in good or bad, in happy or sad. Because it's really easy to put our trust in God when everything's going good and business is going your way and money's coming in and the family's all happy. It's really easy to be like, God, you're the man. But when things start going kind of bad and haywire, that's when we kind of start pulling back like, I don't know about this one, God. I don't know about this plan. And here's my wife, something my wife will do when she finds herself worried. Maybe some of you guys can relate. My wife will wake me up in the middle of the night, worried, and she'll say, go check all the doors. I'm like, John, we've been asleep for like five hours. Why I got to go check them now? She's like, no, go go check them. I got a feeling. I'm like, okay. So I'll wake up. Sometimes I'll act like I check them. But I'll be like, hey, John, I checked the doors. And what she's doing in that moment is she finds security in the latch, locking. Like she finds like security in a... $10 $10 lock. And I'm like, John, man, if somebody wants to get in, like, it probably ain't that hard to get in our house. But really, like, as soon as I say, Jonna, the door's locked, she's snoring again. And the same with Bella. Like, I can look on my daughter's face and notice that something's bothering her. Like, I can just tell, like, Bella, what are you worried about? Like, what's going on in your life? And whether she grabs my hand or, you know, sometimes she'll get behind me or say, Dad, I'm having a bad dream. Will you come in my room? I'll say, Bella, it's okay. I'm right here. You don't have to be afraid. Your dad's got you. And that's what I wanted to remind us as a church this morning. Matthew's table, your father's got you. Come on now. Like you're in the palm of his hands. You are under his control. In your father's hands... You could never be more loved, more cared for, more protected, more looked at, more noticed, or more secure. Some of us spend so much time worried about government conspiracies, worried about who's winning the Super Bowl, who won the lottery, who got a raise at work, that you seem to forget that we are fighting from victory and not for victory. Like, we don't have to be worried because we win Because he already won. Like when I find myself worried, it's because I've forgotten that I have a stock deck. Like the deck's already been set for me. I already win. 
Have you forgotten that you are chosen and the penalty's been paid? And when we walk around worried, it's because we've probably forgotten who our father is and we've probably forgotten that we are a king's kid. Security and worry are not based on who you are, but whose you are. And as a king's kid, our confidence is not in what we can do, but rather than what he's already done. When he said it is finished, it was secure. It was finished. It wasn't like 80% done. It wasn't like 60% done. When he said it was finished, it was secure. You have security in your father. He already checked the locks. He's already defeated the enemy. He's already paid the price. And when we worship, we're redirecting our eyes upon him and upwardly instead of the worry we face inwardly and downwardly. Those trials, here's what I know. My father's got me. My prayers, my father's listening. The, the battles I'm facing, my father's fighting them for me. The path I'm going through, my father's walking before me. Man, that's the ultimate confidence that we have this morning. Like, man, those trials that I face, when I realize my, my father is already taking care of them, my father's listening to my prayer request. Do you know how much confidence that is in I'm secure in him? You're secure in him? Look at what he says in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Here's one of my favorite verses of all time. Are you not of more value than they? Some of you really don't believe that. Like you watch the birds just flapping around getting food. My wife always feeds them at the ocean and they attack us. Like you watch that, like the birds, like they ain't starving to death. And, and they don't sow nor reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. And here's a reminder to you, are you not of more value than they? Are you not more valuable than the birds in the air? Are you not more valuable than the grass in the field? Are you not mine, God says? Do you know who your father is? He says, consider this. Life is more than food and clothes in verse 25. He says he cares for the birds. Are you not of more value than them in verse 26? In verse 27, he says, worry doesn't change anything. And in verse 28, he says, if I clothe the grass... What makes you think I wouldn't clothe you also? Here's a quote I love by Francis Chan. He says, worry implies that we don't quite trust that God is big enough, powerful enough to take care of what is happening in our lives. When I worry, it's, I'm really saying I don't believe that God is big enough to take care of what is going on in my life. Some of us, if we was to be real, we treat God like I treat the ocean when I first go to the beach. Like, if you're anything like me when you first go to the ocean, like I want to go out far. I'm like, man, I'm out there. I'm going to surf. I really can't surf, but I think that. I'm like, I'm going to swim, but then I'll get to the ocean, and I'll be like, man, I don't know what that is right there. And I'll start like, parents are looking at me weird because I'm like the grown-up, and I'm down here with the kids area, and I'm like, 
Is that seaweed or what is under my feet? (laughs) So we'll treat God like I treat the ocean, and I really want to go out into the deep. So you know, like the first few, first day, I'm about like ankle level, like no farther. And I buy shoes, and I'm like, my wife's like, well, how do you have on these shoes? I'm like, look, something might touch my feet. (laughs) But the whole time, I'm like, man, I want to go far. And maybe that's where some of us are, like, You have a big decision in your life and you want to go far, you want to trust God, but then you start asking yourself, what if? What if I make this decision and it doesn't turn out right? What if I take this next step and something happens? And I've been there like a hundred times in my life, like, God, what if I go in this direction that I feel like you're telling me to go in and I prayed about and you're saying go and I go in and I fall off the face? Like, what do I do then? So some of you have found yourself uh, in that spot. But what happens when I spend more and more time at the ocean? The deeper that I go every day. And because then I go deeper, I realize, man, this ain't that bad. Like, I I start kind of laughing at myself like, man, day one, you was way back there. Like, day one, you was tippy-toeing. Now, you're, you're pretty far. Like, you're almost surfing. Not quite, but you're almost there. And I start wondering, like, man, Nick, what was holding you back in the first place? And that's what I want us to think about. Like, what is fear holding you back from? What are the what ifs holding you back from today? What is worry holding you back from? And here's what I'll tell you and what I've learned in my life. God is the God of the deep end. God would say, let go of the wall. Because ultimately, you can trust him. He'll say, look, I'll catch you when you fall. See, at some point in each of our walks, that next step seems oh so scary. And we want to play it safe. We want to just dip our toes into the water. But God says, your father's got you. You can let go. Look at King David's confidence in Psalms 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In other words, even when things are hard in my life, even when life punches me in the mouth, even when things don't go my way, I will fear no evil. Why does he say that? For you are with me. For God, you are with me. That's why I don't fear no evil, because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In other words, your father's got you. In other words, your father's with you. See, it's not your problems that you're facing. It's always who's in the midst of your problems with you. It's not just any staff. It's God's staff. When Jesus says, no one can pluck you from my hands, it's because in his hands you are the most securest. Like he says, no one can pluck you out of my hands. He doesn't say, well, just in this case or that case or if you do this or that. He says, Chris, no one can pluck you out of my hands. And that's security. Like, if you've ever been... Um, adopted, or if you've ever been at home, I think one of the worst things a kid can feel is if I'm welcomed here or not. Like, do I have a place here or not? Like, think about if my daughter had to worry about every day. Man, do I have a room here? 
Do I have a bed here? And I think that's sometimes how we can treat Jesus. Like, do you love me today? Do you want me today? Am I yours today? But he says, no one can pluck you out of my hands. Sometimes we treat Jesus like he's, the, he, he's a shaky guy that won't hit a last second shot. Like sometimes we have like sort of confidence and like, man, I think we should do this, but like, I don't know, Jesus, will you really come through? But what we're rappelling to realize is we are talking about the Alpha and the Omega. Like, we are talking about the beginning and the end. The king of all kings who's hitting 10 out of 10, hit every last second shot, and never goes back on what he says. When we worry, it's because we're relying upon self instead of the Father, and we've forgotten how loved and how valuable and how secure that we are. Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying everyone just go quit their jobs and, and say, I trust God. Yeah, guys, don't be talking about that. Like, I ain't talking about, like, don't worry about, like, don't go exercise because I trust God. Like, it's foolish. Like, I'm not saying, like, don't be a good steward of your finances and then be like, oh, I'm just trusting God, Nick. I knew he would make a way. Well, sometimes he makes a way through a job, too. But I'm just saying, don't let worry steal your worship. Don't I forget who wakes you up, gives you air in your lungs, who created you, and who really provides for you in the first place. Like, it's God that provides. It's God that wakes you up. It's God that gives you air in your lungs. Like, what could you do to create yourself? Nothing. You didn't play any part of you even being here today. God did. You can have confidence, and he has a plan for your life. Like, you can have confidence, and he has you. Consider this. Here's some questions. What if we trusted God today with everything? Come on. Like, Man, there's been times in my life where it's like, Nick, I want you to give uh, this guy something. I'm like, praying about it. God, what do you want me to give him? He's like, a bigger number than I want. I'm like, oh, God, was that you? And I'm sure maybe some of you have been there. But like, what if we trusted God today with everything? What if we stopped holding back? What if we uh, stopped letting what if still our worship? And that's where me and Roger were when we started Matthew's Table. You don't think those questions came up? What if we fail? What if we look really dumb doing it? What if no one comes? What if it doesn't work out? What if we don't make budget? What if we leave our job and go full time? What if someone gets mad? Now let me ask you this. What if those what ifs stopped us? Because they really could have. Like we was at the kitchen table, Roger's kitchen table, like, what if this happens, man? What would we do? What, what if we fail? Like, what if we make the wrong move? Like, what if we let that stop us? What if we let worry cripple us? Would we be sitting in this building today? Would some of you be in church this morning? Like, what if Tina never had written letters to prisons? Like, I know some people that wouldn't be here today if Tina had never done the jail ministry. Like, what if... That fear held her back. Like, I kind of want to start a jail letter ministry, but it's kind of silly. Like, am I wasting stamps? But, like, literally, people came to our church because we wrote them letters to, in jail. Yeah. And then I think about, like, what if we'd never started the food pantry because of whatever reason? What if worry about tomorrow is killing our worship today? Come on. Here's what I know. 
What ifs and worry are robbing us of testimonies? And I'm telling you, you can never go wrong putting your trust in a trustworthy God. Like you can never go wrong depending upon a dependable God. And I know at some points in my life, like, you know, that next step seems scary. But then I look back and I realize God has been with me the whole way. Like it really wasn't that scary as what I made it to be. Like the what ifs that I played in my head usually never played out. But I would sit there and I would let those fear cripple me. And honestly, I would, uh, I would waste a lot of time. And that's where some of us have to remember this. Yes. I'm on the winning side. That's right. I'm playing with a stacked deck and my father's got me. Others of us, we need to step out of the kiddie pool in the deeper waters and trust him to catch us. Hey. Some of us need to be, be reminded to worship instead of worry. And, and, you know, honestly, like, the first few days I found myself on quarantine where I should have unlimited time, really I did, like, I really got convicted because I really lay, laid there, like, just thinking, what if this happens or what if that happens? And really, I didn't even spend any time in worship. And then, I, like, I texted my wife a few days in, like, man, really, God's given me all this time, free time? Like I, and you would think I would be in my word and in worship, but I had let worry steal my whole day. I had let worry steal my whole week instead of worshiping. And, and I just think there's so many scenarios, like whether money's low, whether a job situation, whether I'm thinking about do I fit in, we let what if steal our worship. And the worship team can start making their way up. I'm gonna, I'll tell y'all a story like in Daniel chapter three. And this is like, to me, this is one of the most craziest stories about what if. In Daniel 3, there was a king named, named Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. And in Daniel 3, verses 4 through 6, it was commanded that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lair, dragon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that the king had set up. And whosoever does not fall down in worship shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. What did everybody do? I'm sure they started to worry. Like, man, the king, powerful king, has set up the statue, and he's gave the decree, he's gave the command. Like, bow down or get thrown in. Bow down or, or get punished. So the what if start, probably started paying in the head, like, what if we disobey? What if we don't bow down to the golden statue? So what did majority do? Verse 7, therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the people's nations and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image the king had put up. And before you think this morning, that's not me, I would never do that. I would say we bow down to the golden statue of what if every day. Come on. Like we bow down to the golden statue of worry every day. And that's me included. Like we bow down to what if this happens? What if that happens every single day? And honestly, what that does, it distracts us. Because then we start playing it safe, right? We start pulling back like just in case, God. Like, I'm going to give you 30%, 40%, but don't ask me to go any further. I don't really feel comfortable with that. And God says, come deeper. 
come deeper. You can trust me. And what we're doing when we're distracted is, man, people are still starving. Kids still don't have a home. So when I'm busy asking myself, what if this happens to me? Or what if that happens to my wife? Or what if this happens to anybody else? Then I see an image of a plane and people holding tires to get to where I'm at. I realize how foolish my what ifs sound. Like I really realize how foolish my worry sounds. Like if I died today, man, I've already lived a blessed life. Like I've already lived, like I got Jesus. I got Christ. Like I've already, I've already done everything that, uh, that I could do. Like if I die today, I'm good. Like trust me, I always tell my wife, you can bury me in a box. Like I don't need that. I'm, I'm going with Jesus. And some of us walk around shaky because we really don't have confidence in Jesus. Some of us walk around feeling unsecure because we really don't have confidence in a secure God. So we walk around and we ask ourselves, what if this happens and what if that happens? But here's your reminder this morning. You are never alone. Never. You are never alone. Anything that you're going through, you are not alone. You are secure. And your father's got you. Daniel chapter 3 reminds us that life doesn't always go as planned. But the biggest difference is who's in your problems with you? Who's in the fire beside you? Three men in Daniel 3 defied the king. They said, we won't bow down to your golden image you've set up. We won't worship this thing that you're telling us to worship. So the king warned them. He said, look, I'm the king. You need to be afraid. I can take everything from you. I can destroy you. I will throw you into the furnace. What was their response? Didn't seem like worry. I would have been worried. But it didn't seem like worry because Daniel 3, 17 through 18 says, if this be so, If you're going to throw us in the furnace for not bowing down, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And then here's my favorite part. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. But if not, That's one of my favorite. So the king, furious, turned it up seven more times than normal. He was going to make an example out of these men for not bowing down. And honestly, if it was me at that moment, I would be worried. I would have been like, hey, Rob, what if we change our minds? Think we can slide through? I'd have been like, John, like, you think we can just, uh, like, do this just just one time? Like, I would have probably been worried because I worry about far less. Like, I really do. I worry about far less. The story finishes out in these three men. They got thrown in the the burning fiery furnace for not bowing down. But the story doesn't end there. Because King said, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? Now I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. Church, worry comes from the fire. Worship comes from knowing who's in the fire with you. When I say Jesus changes everything, I mean Jesus changes everything. You are eternally secure if you are in Christ. 
You are not halfway secure or 80% secure. You are eternally secure if you are in Christ. But some of us live for what matters today instead of what matters in eternity. That's when I find myself worrying is about this life instead of the next life. And I have my eyes focused on down here instead of up there. And that's why, honestly, I try to set up a big bank account in luxury when, honestly, I look at that picture of 800 to 900 people on an airplane, and I'm like, man, I already have luxury. I already have everything I need. I already have Christ. I'm trusting today that God brought us all here for a reason, to let you know you are not alone. Like, that is so powerful to know your Father's got you. Your father's got you. You don't have to walk around shaky. You don't have to walk around scary. Your father's got you. We win. We're fighting from victory. We have a stacked deck, and our confidence comes from him. Powerful truth this morning. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxieties on him. Why? Why? because he cares for you. Matthew's table, the savior of the world, the spotless lamb, the great I am cares for you. Now turn your worry into worship. Hey, thanks for joining us today. A special thanks to those who sow into this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us financially, text all one word, Matthew's Table, to 73256. That's Matthew's Table to 73256. It's because of you this ministry is possible. If you like what you've heard, click the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You never know what God can do through your one act of obedience. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless.